welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Constructionist Podcast. My name's Caleb, and we are always in the process of building something. And today, we're going to talk about uh, building your mind towards something. What is it you set your mind on? What do you put your mind toward? Those kind of things are things that we need to be aware of. Everybody puts their mind towards something throughout the entire day. Think about an entire day. First thing you put your mind toward in the morning is getting out of bed. Then you put your mind toward getting dressed. Then you put your mind toward getting your kids ready. Then you get your mind toward going to work or planning your day or whatever it is. At some point you're hungry, so you put your mind toward finding something to eat. That kind of thing, you put your mind toward something. It's an activity. You actively think toward something. Now, let's talk about that for a minute uh, using Mark chapter Eight. Let's read from verse 27. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Now, first of all, Caesarea Philippi is not in the land of Israel proper. It is quite far north of Galilee, and it's Caesarea Philippi. So a chap named Philippi, who was one of the sons of Herod, had this place built and he named it Caesarea after the Caesar. Caesar, the, it's so the name of the town is actually Caesar's town that Philippi, Philip built. So hence Caesarea Philippi. Now when you got there, one of the big things about this place was that there was a large spring that had water coming out of it at the, at a, in the at coming out of the mouth of a mountain. Oh, sorry, a cave, a big cave. And uh, so out of this big cave, this huge amount of water would flow. And so they, they felt like this was, they would say this was a way down into the underworld. This is this hole with this water coming out of it. And they would put sacrifices. They throw people into it as sacrifices. And every year they had a huge festival for Pan. I don't know if you remember Pan. You know Peter Pan? He played the little uh, pipey flute thing. Well, Pan was a half goat, goat legs uh, and half human person. That was what Pan was. So if you ever seen the Narnia Chronicles, uh, the uh, Mr. Tumnus, he was like Pan was. Okay, a fawn. Fawns, Pan was a fawn is what he was. So they would worship uh, Pan there. And the worship time they would have once a year was this huge event that would take place all in Caesarea Philippi. And uh, it would get so frantic and so crazy that this is actually where we get our word panic from. The word panic comes from the idea of pan and this festival. They would get themselves in such a state that they would become basically crazy almost and they and and people would panic is what they would do. It was really quite bad. Uh, so in this place where this happened, that's where Jesus turned to them and said, who do people say that I am? 
And his disciples responded and said, John the Baptist, and some people say Elijah, and some people say you're one of the prophets. Okay, So Jesus is automatically contrasting himself with this pagan religious uh, place where they would do these terrible deeds uh, sexual morality and with goats and and sacrifice of humans and it was just, it was really disgusting what they were doing there so in this with all of this sort of uh, idea in Caesarea Philippi he turned to them and said who do men say that I am and so Peter then says after they threw out a few options Peter says uh, well, Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? So who do they say? That's kind of what most of the Jews thought. Oh, he's from their own context and their own background. He's one of the prophets. He's John the Baptist who just died. He must be, he must be taking his place. Uh, Elijah, possibly, miracles, stuff like that. So Peter says, uh, speaking for the disciples, you are the Christ. And in Matthew's gospel, it follows on by saying, you are the Christ, the Son of of the living God. Now that's quite a statement right there. The the idea of living God pops up several times in the Old Testament as opposed to gods of stone and gods of nature. So when you read the Old Testament, it describes the stupidity of idol worship because you there's this funny passage, uh, look it up in the prophets, where it, the prophet talks about you cut down a tree and you make yourself an idol and then you use the rest of the tree to make yourself a fire so you can cook food that you then turn around and give to the idol in thanks. It's like, it, that doesn't make any sense why you would do things like that. But that's how uh, people operated in those days with idolatry. So, uh, the the Jewish people did not worship, Israel did not worship a dead God. They didn't cut down a tree, which in effect killed it and then made an idol out of it. They didn't use inanimate stone and gold and precious jewels. They didn't use these things. They didn't use things in nature uh, to say that is our God, which was subjected to the weather and subjected to the seasons and things like that. They followed the living God. The God that has life in abundance in him. That's the God of Israel. And so Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. In other words, you are of, you are in essence the living God as well. That would be the idea that would be coming across when you talk about the son of. Okay, And then he began to teach, Jesus began to teach that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days he would rise again. So he said this plainly in verse 32, and then Peter took him aside. So Peter grabs him and kind of pulls him off, just the two of them, and he says, what are you talking about? Don't, don't tell them you're going to die. Don't tell them you're going to be arrested and, and beaten and crucified. Don't say those. You're the son of the living God. I just said that. You're supposed to be powerful. You're supposed to be the one who is to conquer the Romans and bring freedom to Israel so that we can live without this bondage on us. That's who you are. That's, this is what Peter is trying to say. So listen to what Jesus says in return. Verse 33, but turning and seeing his disciples, so Jesus like looks 
ignores Peter and looks over at his disciples and thinks of them for a moment. And then he says to all of them, oh, sorry, he says then to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. You are not setting your mind, Satan. Now, it's funny this. He says it to Peter. He knows Peter. He's been walking around with Peter for over probably a year now, at least. But he, he refers to him as Satan. Now, who is Satan? He would have said in Hebrew, Satan, ha-Satan. The, the, uh, the word Satan in Hebrew means the adversary, the one who comes to uh, contradict. He's the one that we're fighting against. He's our adversary. Satan appears in the book of Zechariah, where uh, Joshua the high priest in the days of Zechariah is being tried, basically on trial, and Satan is there accusing him, it says. Giving, saying, same thing with Job. Satan comes to Job and, and says, that Job can't, he's not going to follow you, God. I mean, if you take away all of the blessings, his house, his job, his family, all of his riches, take all the way, he'll curse you. This is what Satan does. He tries to get people uh, off of God's path is what he tries to do. He's accusing Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. So what was Peter doing? Peter was trying to tell Jesus that he was not going to go the way of the cross. He was not going to go the way that the scriptures said he should go as a suffering servant. He didn't want him to do that. He wanted him to be the conquering king. But no, Jesus says, I have to go this way. And if you try to get me off of this way, off of this God-ordained path, off of this only way that I can go, you're not a disciple of mine. You are like the devil. You are like Satan. You are acting in Satan's way if you try to get me to go off the way that God has designated for me to go. There is a way I need to go. And if you try to get me off of that way and make sure that other people don't know the true way, then you're like Satan. Now, this is a really bad thing <laughs> when you do this kind of thing. But unfortunately, it happens all the time. So what does Jesus say? He says, you are not setting your mind on the things of God. So this word now, mind, which is what we want to focus on, is phreneo. It's the, it's the verb in the Greek, phreneo. And it's a verb and what it means is that which you, uh, it's a, the act of putting your mind towards something, okay? So for me, I'm an electrician by trade. I put my mind toward the things that are necessary in order to have a safe electrical system in a house, in a business, uh, wherever. So uh, that's what I put my mind to. You can talk to me for you know, a long time about electrical things. I could tell you about the history of electrical stuff. I could tell you about proper codes that are in place. I could tell you about amperages and voltages and why breaker sizes are important, the difference between 240 volt and three phase and single phase. I can explain that stuff to you because I've put my mind to it. What I cannot explain to you is brain science. 
I don't know anything about brain surgery, about how the brain works, about the, the mechanical functioning of neurons and the synapses and stuff. I don't know about that kind of thing. If you were to show me a map of the brain and say, now show me what this bit does, I don't know. I don't know what that stuff does. You know, I don't know anything about tax law. I don't know anything about, uh, you know, the mechanics of jet engines or anything like that. I don't know about uh, the, 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 the necessary tensions and structures that mechanical engineers have to know about to build certain bridges and skyscrapers and the size of I-beams and concrete tensile strength and, and raw. I don't, I don't know about stuff like that. I haven't put my mind to those things. I don't know... Uh, the language fra-fra, which there is a language called fra-fra. I don't know that language. I haven't put my mind toward it. All I know is that it exists. <laughs> That's all I know. When you put your mind towards something, you learn about that thing and eventually you master it. So uh, when, when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of men, we can choose by our free will that God has blessed us with, we can choose to set our mind on the things of God. And the only way that we are going to know the things of God, first and primarily, is through the scriptures. That is how we know God's big picture mind. And a lot of little details as well. But that's how we know these things. God has invested into the scriptures his mind on a number of matters, hundreds of different matters. But also, he tells us the whole history of humans and how we need to live our lives and what happens if we go down the, this path or that path. All of that is invested. So what is in the scriptures, God does not need to reveal by special revelation or anything like that. If it's in the scriptures, it's there to be read and God says, I've already presented that to you. Now, there's nuances here and there about, you know, should I go down this life for this job, that job? Should I marry that person? We should pray about these things. Ask counsel. Talk to our parents. Talk to people around us, whatever. But there's a huge amount that God has put within the scriptures that is his mind that we set our mind onto and that transforms our mind and it becomes renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is renewed by directing it toward the scriptures. Read them, understand them, and apply them. And when that happens, you're setting your mind on the things of God for other people, for yourself, for your family, for the nation, for the government, for the world. Okay? If you get off of God's plan and deviate off of the scriptures and say that they're not important and that we don't need to read them, but we can still be Christians or still be followers of God or still love God, but set the scriptures to the side and don't really make them a priority in our life, we will deviate off of them, guaranteed, and eventually you'll be setting your mind on the things of man, which is all the devil needs to do to get you off base. Because we have a tendency in our own selves to go wrong. To, we, our thinking is not God's thinking. Our thoughts are not God's thoughts. If we are not constantly making what the message of the scripture primary in our life and learning from it and having it correct us on a daily basis, we will go wrong. Peter went wrong. Peter in almost, almost within a minute, 10 seconds, 
went from saying, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, yes. And then you can read in Matthew, there's a bit more detail there about what he says, but probably within five minutes, Peter then turns around and says, no, 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 you're not going to, you're not going to die. You're not going to be arrested and beaten and whipped and made to suffer and die. You're not going to, that's not going to happen to you. Okay. I know you said you'll rise from the dead at the end there, but you're not going to have all that bad stuff happen. Within five minutes, Peter suddenly started talking about things that Satan wanted him to talk about. Because that's God's way. God, sorry, man's way. Man's way is not the way of suffering. It's not the way of the cross. Man's way is the way of um, gaining in financial stability and mo- moving up the corporate ladder and uh, winning the lottery and having a comfortable life or being able to splurge money whenever you want. God, man's way is to do it in his own strength by his own reasoning and in his own will and his own uh, power and ability. It is not in God's way, which is the way of the cross, because that's exactly what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? And for what can a man give in return for his soul. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. When Jesus comes back, nobody will miss it. It'll be very clear he is coming back. So he says, if anyone would come after me, and this he says to everybody, it says in verse 34, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples. Remember, he's at Caesarea Philippi. These aren't even Jewish people. These are mostly Romans and Greeks. There may be some Jews there, but mostly Romans and Greeks. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now think about that statement in the culture of the day. What happens to people when they go on a cross? (laughs) They they die. That's what happens. Sometimes it took days. Remember when Jesus died on the cross and and, uh, Pilate was amazed that he died so quickly? Typically it took, uh, you know, four, five, up to 10 days for someone to die on that cross. That was not an uncommon thing. And so... Uh, to be told to deny himself and take up his cross and follow me is, is uh, I mean, that's ludicrous. Why would you say something like that? Why would you want people to take up the cross? It's like, hello, that's where criminals go to die for like a week. They hang there and die. So why would you want to take up your cross and follow? When, when you humble yourself before the Lord, the Lord will raise you up. Now, it, it almost pains me to say this because I know it hurts. When you humble yourself, when you are humiliated uh, for the sake of the Lord, God will raise you up. That's what happens. And so we can spend a whole nother podcast just talking about losing your life and gaining your life because these wor- the word is the same. Whoever would save his suke will lose it, but whoever loses his suke for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does a prophet a man if he gained the whole world and forfeit his own suke? These, it's the same word, and the word suke is where we get our word psychology from. It's a marvelous word. 
but this is the way of the cross. And if you don't go that way, then you're going in the way that man wants. And if you follow in the path of man, then Satan's got you exactly where he wants you. So build your mind, put your mind toward the things of God. That is the scriptures, primarily, first and foremost, pray, read them, invest time into them, apply them to your life. You will be greatly blessed. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.